0: Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe and fun place to get real and learn about sex. Whether you're a man or woman, single or couple, this is the show for you. I am your host, Kevin Anthony, and I am here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and your relationships. Alright, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 278 and it is titled How Technology is Shaping the Future of Sexual Wellness for Both Men and Women. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you will see that I have a guest with me today who I'll introduce in a moment and he is going to help us kind of go through the current technology and how we can utilize technology really to benefit sexual wellness for both men and women. Now, I did an episode quite a while back, Uh, Celine and I did an episode on how technology was ruining your sex life. But we weren't focusing on this type of technology. We were focusing on how people were letting their phones distract them and not connecting with each other and that sort of thing. So today's technology discussion is going to be completely different from that one. So if you're like, oh yeah, I heard you guys do that episode. Nope, this is a completely different episode. We are going to be talking about how we can leverage technology to help us either fix problems that we have with our sexual wellness or enhance our sexual wellness. So I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion. It's uh, some technologies and things that we have not talked about on this show before. Okay, before we do that, a short word from my sponsor, Power and Mastery 3.0 is here. The men's sexual mastery program you have heard about on this show for a long time is now even better. I have personally reviewed every module, lesson, video, audio, and PDF to see if there was anything new that needed to be added. As a result, I have added 10 new videos, 1 new audio, 8 new PDFs, and dozens of links to hand-picked products to help support your journey to mastery. In addition, there is also a brand new user interface that makes it easier to navigate the course and find your course materials. So if you're ready to become the sexual master you have always wanted to be, then go now to powerandmastery.com. That is powerandmastery.com. The holidays are upon us as uh, you're listening to this show, which means you may have some free time. Most people take some time off around the holidays. That is a great time to finally get started on fixing the problems in your sex, love, and relationships. So go check out powerandmastery.com. Okay, so my guest today is Elliot Justin, M.D., F-A-C-E-P. I don't even know what that is. You can tell us in a moment. (laughs) He is the CEO and founder of FirmTech, the first sex uh, tech company dedicated to improving men's erectile fitness. And we are, of course, going to talk a lot about FirmTech as the show goes on, but not specifically about that. So welcome, Dr. Elliot Justin.
1: Thank you. and Good to be here. And that stands for Fellow of the American College of Emerging Physicians, And I can tell you as a British medicine doctor that there are few emergencies short of a heart attack or a stroke that concern a man like a limp dick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is very, very true. (laughs) Okay, so today's discussion really revolves around, you know, sexual wellness... And the future of sexual wellness. And before we really get into the future, I really want to talk a little bit about the current scope. So I'm wondering if you can give the audience some stats on the current state of sexual wellness for men and women.
1: Well, it's dismal. And I would characterize it as a a genuine pandemic. So uh, by age 50 in most of the world, the incidence of erectile dysfunction is 50%. It's almost 30% by age 20 I'm 70. By my age, it's 70%. Uh, and the numbers are even worse for women. Uh, wh- and we don't talk about it as much, but there's also a condition called female sexual dysfunction, FSD. Uh, and why are things worse for women? Well, postmenopausal women lose their hormonal protection, and they have all the same issues that men do with diabetes, hypertension, atherosclerosis, and obesity. But premenopausal women take. SSRI antidepressants, four or five times as much, as much as men do, and those things are both clit and cock killers. Uh, and they also take um, hormones. Uh, and we have women in this in the developed world who don't even know what their natural sexuality is like as a, as, as a consequence.
0: Yeah, that 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 paints, as you said, a very dismal picture. <laughs> yes. So you you kind of started to mention it already when you were answering that. But my next question was, what are some of the modern factors that are contributing to it? Now I know you mentioned you know uh, different medications, but maybe if you could go a little bit deeper into what are the things currently in our modern world that are really contributing to this sexual dysfunction?
1: Well, it, it's it's highly likely that the um, that there are significant dietary you know contributors and environmental contributors to to this. Uh, the the medical research on the on the impact of uh nan- nanoplastic fibers uh upon our upon our hormones on male sperm production i mean the fact that sperm sperm counts are, are 50% lower than they were 20 years ago and 70 to 80% lower than they were in, in my youth that's just shocking and the uh the yeah. and so I, mean, I i think the endocrine inhibitors like the plastics are probably are more than likely not responsible, uh, and there's there's frankly little that we can do to avoid them. They're also uh, you know uh, certainly an association between um, increased intake of processed foods uh, and uh, lower lo- lower hormones. And then there's but there are, but there are also social factors. People spend I think people spend an enormous amount of time online, and people want to you know the feminists especially uh, both on, on the conservative, listen, it's called people on the conservative side of the spectrum who are anti porn, but also radical feminists want to point to porn as a problem, but it's really shopping. I mean, people joke that, that porn built the the internet, and it probably did early on, but the average man who's going to the internet daily for porn is spending about 30 to 40 minutes looking at porn, but everyone spends an enormous amount of time shopping. And so, so people are distracted by, by, by the media in ways that, are interfering with them having relationships. People don't yeah, you know, there's I mean my youth, people dated. people don't date anymore. So relationships between people have become much more transactional. It's about swiping as opposed to um about developing a romantic relationship. And I know it's hard to quantify that. Uh but certainly people are having less sex uh and I think it's uh, tragic because I think having sex every day is part of uh being happy. Uh and Our goal, my company, my personal goal is, is is better sex for everyone and have more of it.
0: Yes, I completely agree. And that is absolutely my goal for this show and all the work that I do as well, which is why, of course, you're here. So, you know, I've really liked some of the things that you said there, because to be honest, if you ask the average MD a question like that, you're not likely to hear the answers that you just gave, Right. You're not likely to hear a lot of MDs talk about, you know, the plastics and you know all of the xenoestrogens, phytoestrogens, the diet, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm glad that you brought that in.
1: Well, think about the med- th- just about medications. I, I'm, I'm a, I've never had a doctor, and I bet you would never had a doctor tell you about the sexual side effect of a medication that they prescribe. Sex is, you know, it's as if, it's as if sex is is, is unimportant, uh, and the antihypertensives. So, we have an adult population uh, over the age of 50, where 40 to 50% of people are taking antihypertensive medication uh, and 15 to 20% of the population taking antidepressants. Those two, to get, and, and often in combination, and they are killers of libido. Uh, and I, I've had so many men complain to me, and women too, but I'll, I'll focus on the men for now, complain to me about difficulties they have with ejaculation as a consequence of these medications. And I know from my own personal, pl- um, working with our technology, where we can make this objective. We can actually say, I'm, I, I'm, here's my baseline. I take this medication. What's the impact on the number of nocturnal erections I have or the firmness of my erections that I, thought, that I have during sex? So it's my hope that by providing people with data, that people will be able to treat their sexuality in the way in which they would treat blood sugar or blood pressure or, or heart, heart, heart arrhythmias, all of which were invisible until we invented technology to make them visible. Also, doctors don't make recommendations about sex. Not only do they not not ask about sex, they don't... The doctors make recommendations about diet, about exercise, about compliance with medications. When was the last time you went to a doctor and had them say, Hey, um, Kevin, how many times a week are you having sex? And how good is it? And what's the problem? So... As a company, we recommend, and this is based upon research, we recommend that people have at least sex at least twice a week uh, and, that, and, and try to make that a standard, a standard in your life. It fascinates me that people can, people can go to the gym 10, 20 hours a week, and yet they—and which is easy. It, it, you know, There's a routine. They get into it. They see, they, they see the benefits, but they won't plan for sex. A people need to start planning for pleasure. If your sex life sucks— then you need to say, you know what, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, my partner and I are going to, we're going to engage for maybe 10 minutes to start and then 20 minutes and 30 minutes. We're going to learn how to get it on and how to and how to please each other. People need to approach this the way they would trying to improve other parts of their health or their, or their physical look.
0: I completely, 100% agree with you. And this is why I do the work that I do, because I understand how important this part of people's life actually is when it comes to their overall health and happiness in the world. So yeah, I completely agree with that. And I'll say though about, uh, you're right, the doctors never ask you those questions. But given the average doctor's knowledge on this subject, I'm kind of glad they don't go there. <laughs> yeah, because they have they have no idea what they're talking about in this particular topic. The, mo- the majority of them, I'm sure there's a few good ones out there, you know, like yourself who know it, but the, the majority don't.
1: I- well, let me... I'm sorry, Doctor Kevin. Let me tell you a joke that we have. Just I think I told you before we got on the show that we just have the uh, Society for Sexual Society for Medicine in North America show, the biggest sex urologist show in in, in, uh, in North America. It's held, it's held annually, and one of the jokes that we have at our booth is, "How do you tell the difference between a gay doctor and a straight doctor?" You ask one question. Can you guess?
0: Uh, when was the last time you had sex? <laughs> <laughs> That's good, that would be a good one, too. But it's kind of along those lines. I ask, do you use a cock
1: ring? The straight doctor is like, uh, I, don't, I don't need that. They go right to male pride. The, the gay doctor is, uh, yeah, uh, last night got a better one. So <laughs> uh, the, the, the first line of therapy for a man with a D, or for, frankly for any man who wants to improve his performance, is to put a ring on it. Because nothing beyond rock hard, there's cock ring hard. Nothing will get a man harder and produce a more intense orgasm and a longer lasting orgasm, uh, long lasting erection, you know, than a cock ring. But the other thing that, that that urologists don't understand is the most common male problem is not getting it up; it's keeping it up. And so what so what urologists do is they throw medication at it. We're going to give you this PD-5 medication, you know, Cialis or being the most most common ones. Uh, but they put more blood in the penis, but you still require stimulation. But for most men, the problem is I've got an erection, but for whatever reason, my partner and I haven't had sex in a while. I'm anxious. I'm taking a medication. I've had too much to drink. Uh, they've lost it the last time. They've lost their confidence. And the great thing about a ring is once you're, once a man's aroused a good ring holds the blood in the penis and then if if someone says something the other person doesn't like or if they've had too much to drink or too much marijuana or whatever the, whatever it is it doesn't make it makes less of a difference because the, the the ring is going to hold, hold hold the blood in
0: yeah you know i want to come back to something that you've mentioned a couple of times which is the medications because in the line of work i do you know i work with a lot of men who are experiencing erectile dysfunction and one of the very first questions i always ask them of course is what medications are you on And I'm always surprised at how many of my clients, I'm not so so much surprised anymore that they're on, you know, either, you know, a hypertension medication or, or antidepressants. That's not what surprises me. What surprises me is that they generally, and this is true the majority of the time, are completely unaware that these medicines could be affecting their ability to function sexually. And... I mean, I don't expect everybody to be an expert on everything. This is the line of work that I do. So obviously I I need to know this type of stuff, but it is something that their doctor is putting them on. And you would think that people would actually research what (laughs) what the potential effects are, but it comes back to your point also, which is that the doctors are obviously not telling them this. Yeah,
1: it's really, uh, frankly, I think it's malpractice. You know, when you have a, I'll give you here. You know, I, I, I well, you have a, have, a, have a patient who's depressed, and you kill, and you kill this sexuality, which is that, they're just going to get going to get more depressed. And the other, and if you uh, on the premature ejaculation side, if you're going to give prescribe an SSRI like Welbutrin or uh, Lexapro or whatever for you know for, for premature ejaculation, and now you have got a guy who can't ejaculate, well, you really haven't fixed the problem. Uh, you, you, you've actually, you just, you've taken this, this relationship that this person is in and you've, you've fucked with it. Excuse my language. You fucked with it because you've taken, you've, you've gone from one problem to another. And now you've also made a man dependent upon a medication. Uh, it's,
0: it's wrong. I completely agree. And, you know, so there's, there's obviously the side effects of the, um, antidepressants, but then there's also, you know, a point I just want to sort of put out there for anybody who's listening, just to use your brain for a second, but if you're on medication that is basically supposed to either thin your blood or increase uh, you know, the circulation, that is likely also having an effect on your ability to put blood into your penis, right?
1: That's right. And these medications are often synergistic. So you're never gonna have, this, 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 this now we're talking about it, both a government and doctor failure, not so much a pharma failure. Pharma just wants to make money. So they, they, they come up with a product for one indication, but they never uh, test synergy. No, one, you know, no blood pressure company is ever going to say, hey, let's add an antidepressant to see what happens or, or, or vice versa. They know, though. Uh, and the doctors should, if the doctors were observing the impact on their patients and taking good histories, they would know as well. And we, frankly, we rely upon the government to do research that the private sector won't do. And the government does no research. And, and that's a whole other subject, I guess. But.
0: <laughs> oh, it, it is! It is, and it and it's one that I would love to get into. However, it's not really the focus of this particular episode. I, I really want to spend more time letting people know like what alternatives there are, but. You know, just just know that what you're being told uh, may not be the whole story. Like if you go to your doctor, you're a listener out there and you're experiencing these problems, you go to your doctor, you may not be getting all of the options available out there. And that's that's really the focus of this show is what other options are there aside from that standard advice that you get. So, okay, so we, we've started talking already about... Uh, you know, your device in firm tech. So let's dive a little bit more into, we're talking about uh, erectile dysfunction in men. Let's talk about uh, what they normally prescribe to men to solve this and how what you're developing is different and uh, how it utilizes the technology.
1: Sure. Well, uh, it's unusual today for the doctors to use a device called the Regis Scan anymore, a man goes to a doctor and says he has ED, they'll prescribe a medication. Well, they'll have the man fill out a subjective score, and they'll prescribe a medication, usually a PD-5 medication like Viagra, Acylis being the, the market leaders, uh, Sedanophil and Tadalafil being the generic names. Uh, the problem with that approach is the subjective scoring systems are inaccurate. And and at this the meeting I mentioned to you in San Diego at the beginning that just this last week, uh, we presented research that will be published in a couple of months, showing that the um these scores don't relate. So there are men there, these subjective scoring systems say there are men who have ED who don't have it, and men who don't have ED who, who actually have ED, and we make it objective. So how do we make it objective? We count the number of nocturnal erections. So when when a urologist came to me about three years ago and said he wants to count the number of nocturnal erections, uh, I'm an emergency physician. I said, why would you want to do that? I mean, I don't understand. And he explained to me, and and, and as a doctor, I should have known this, but I wasn't taught this, and no doctor taught this, that the number of nocturnal erections are a leading indicator of man's cardiovascular health, meaning before a man has a heart attack or a stroke, a leading indicator is a predictor. You don't know that you're at risk to have a heart attack or a stroke unless you're counting the number of nocturnal reactions. The same thing for, for uh, uh, developing clinically significant diabetes. So being able to count the number of nocturnal reactions is extremely valuable, for both, either for men who are who have those diseases, or for as a screening test for men over the age of 45 or 50 who are at cardiovascular risk. So I'm confident that what we're doing at FirmTech will become the standard of care. Right now, if I went to... Or you, you look older, you got gray in your beard. No, uh, if yes, you went I to do. a doctor... <laughs> uh, and said, "Gee, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here for my annual physical, or you know, I'm, when I notice my workout, I feel a little more short of breath." And they just listen with a stethoscope. You would think, "What the fuck is this? 1880? I want an electrocardiogram. I want baseline lipid, lipid lipid profile. I might even want a CT, angi- uh, a CT angiogram with, with a score in order to see what my risk is right now." So we are with our erectile fitness score. We're pro- we're providing that data. So, that, that's first, we count the number of nocturnal erections. That goes down. That's significant. Two, we ask have our device can be worn during sex. So, what do can more about? What's going on at night or what's going on when they're trying to perform? So, we measure the duration and firmness of erections of men trying to have sex. And utilizing that data, men, and if they want to involve the healthcare providers, they can assess the impact of diseases, uh, medications, diet, exercise, supplements, et cetera on their sexual performance, on relationships upon their, upon their sexual performance. Uh and that this is world's first technology and and I'm certain we'll like I said before, I think I'm certain will become the standard of care. Uh it'll be like a sixth vital sign. And in this age of healthcare wearables, there's this enormous gap. Sex. What do men care more about? I, I, I th- was that a smart ring I saw in your hand when you
0: before? No, no, this actually isn't a uh, smart ring. Uh, Okay, looks like one. It's very like an similar. Yeah, it's very similar in, in shape an and color. But it, in this age, you know, what do
1: men care more about? How many steps they took yesterday, or the, how many calories they ingested, or or how or how hard are they getting, and how well is their penis working? That's a rhetorical question, of course. So <laughs> that's that's. So when it comes to sex tech, for me, sex tech is not about novelties, and there are a lot of cool novelties out there that that are tech based but it's about using tech to deliver valuable information to men about their sexual health while at the same time helping enhancing their pleasure with a better form and material for a Cochrane.
0: Yeah. So a couple of things that, that uh, I want to just come back to in what you said there. Um, One of it is the, the risk factor thing. And that's something that I just wanted to like, basically reiterate so that men understand. So when a client comes to me and they're experiencing uh, erectile dysfunction, now I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to be a doctor. The very first thing I tell them is, okay, especially if they're, you know, basically above 40, is in conjunction with the work we're doing, I want you to go see your doctor and I want you to get a thorough checkup. Why do I do that? Because of exactly what you just said, which is this is a leading indicator of potential cardiovascular health problems. So we need to make sure that, you know, that stuff is either not present before we do our work, or if it is, that you're getting the uh, the treatment and care that you need along with what we're doing. So I just kind of wanted to reiterate that point. You did bring it up, and I, want, I really wanted the audience to hear that. Like, this is a leading indicator of much more serious problems. So... It's not just about can I get it up and can I have sex, but it is literally an indicator that you might have a larger health issue. So that was kind of the first thing that I wanted to bring up uh, about what you just shared. And then the second thing is, and this is something we talked about a little bit in the pre-interview too, is we started talking about the difference between the novelty sex toy industry and your device. And so I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit more about that, uh, because I really want people to understand the difference, right? Because you can go to any sex toy store and pick up a cock ring, but that's not the same as as what you have created.
1: Well, the the, the tech for health is is unique, and, to, I, and I think it is important. I want to reiterate your point, if you if you don't mind, because mm-hmm. we've had men using our device who didn't know they were diabetic, significantly diabetic, but their natural erections were low, and they went and they went to their doctor. We've had. A, at least one man that I know of, uh, who had only having one nocturnal erection, who's young, he was thirty eight years old. They went to his doctor, and he had he was a, he was at significant risk for a heart attack, uh, and uh, got ca- he, he got um, catheterized, and you know then the problem was treated. And we've had men as young as twenty six who take who are taking sn- toxic doses of steroids to bodybuild. Who have yet identified that problem, that they have a a peanut, peanut, erectile problem as a consequence utilizing our device. But on the cock ring side, uh, cock rings are conventionally made for 150 years out of hard hard silicone plastic. Uh, You have to have an erection to put them on. So they can't be put on hours before sex, they can't be put on discreetly. You have to interrupt sexual activity and put this ring on the rings can only be worn for about 20-30 minutes or they choke off the circulation because they're basically a chokehold on, on, on the penis. Uh, so when Dr. Uh, Dr. James Wattal at the University of Utah challenged me in the way of coming up with counting erections, I hadn't thought about this before. For me, cock rings were, were a novelty. My wife and I would get one once or twice You only play with it and we usually say, hey, this sucks. It, it pinches. It's uncomfortable. Get, forget it. <laughs> we're not, not going to use it again. Uh, and uh, I realized um, I, realize I had to come up with something that could be worn overnight. I didn't want to block the arterial flow in because then we wouldn't ca- get any nocturnal erection. we going to be choking off the blood flow and, and be, put, be putting men at risk of, of actually damaging their penis. So we're not going to block the arterial flow in. We're just going to constrain the venous return. So instead of making the ring out of hard silicone, we make our ring out of, out of uh, soft elastomer. And it's, I can go in here. And that's unique. Don't, there are a couple of the rings that are made out of elastomers. There are lassos that are made out of elastomers. That I think are decent products. And I can explain why I think ours is better. But you know, this is made out. This is a very soft elastomer. It's comfortable. It doesn't pinch. Also, I was uh, scratching my wife's back. I'd, I'd say probably half the heterosexual sex in the, in the United States occurs when a woman takes off a bra at night and wants her back to be scratched because the, ring, because the bra is uncomfortable. And I looked on the ground and I said, oh. It's a fucking hook. What is a, what is a bra? A bra is a ring that opens and closes. Women don't put on bras over their head unless must a bus bra. Let's make a cock ring with a hook. Now it's safe. It's easy, it's easy on, easy off. Actually, there's going to be a paper presented at the American Neurality Association this spring using, with 600, 600 of our customers who wore our, who wore our ring more than once for four hours, showing that there are there no side effects no no risk, no, safe, no safety issues involved wearing our rings for a period of time. So the ring can be put on when flaccid, when, so it's discreet. You don't have to interrupt sexual activity. It only constrains the venous return. And we also set a goal, not just of choking the penis off, but of, putting, but of putting pressure over the urethra in order to draw out the male orgasm. So my orgasm goes from four to seven seconds with our rings. That was about, and in our study that we did internally, the average man's erection ejaculation increased by 50%. That's a better orgasm. Uh, So, I was, you know, I, I, for me, there there was obviously a cock ring problem in front of me, or you, you know, to be solved, Kevin. But I wasn't, until this guy challenged me with coming up with cancer nocturnal erections, I had, I just just thought cock ring sucked, and why use one? (laughs) And and, and now, I, I don't have sex without a ring. Why? Because I don't need it. I'm like a straight doctor. Oh, I don't need that ring. I want it. I want to have more. I want to have more intense experience. But also for a man of my age, the data is valuable. Mm-hmm. So I'm 70 years old. I, you know, I you know I have borderline high blood pressure. Fortunately, I'm I'm lean. Uh, but I want I want my data twice a month because it's the leading indicator. So high blood pressure is not a leading indicator of anything. It high the blood pressure, pressure could be up for multiplicity of reasons. But if your, if your number of nocturnal erections is going down, or you're not experiencing the, your usual firmness over a period of time, you have a problem. And, but, so how have how I used the ring personally? Well, one, to amuse myself. So like it was my wife's 70th birthday party last week, and I had a lot to drink. Well, my erections went from – we have 1 to 10, ten hardness score. My erections went, went from 9.2 down to close to 7. And it was fun to, to see, oh, well, there it is. There's, there's the, the impact of alcohol. Uh, I guess st- I started taking a blood pressure me- medicine last uh, October. Probably i involved with a startup, and my erections on medica I'll, I'll damn the medication right now. It was Lisinopril, uh, and my erections were fifteen to twenty percent less hard. Well, I didn't really notice it that much, but it was ha- it was it was affecting the, as you indicated before. It's affecting my the vascular health of my favorite organ after my brain. So <laughs> I, switched, <laughs> I switched I switched, I switched medications, uh, and actually. Now the company's doing well. I don't really need the medication anymore. But it was it was interesting to me personally to see that impact. Um, when I travel internationally, uh, I'll take uh, you know Ambien for sleep, and that was that that would wipe out my nocturnal erections. I don't take it anymore. I, you know, because um, why would I want it to feel with the, vast, with the vascular health of you know, of my penis? And we have we have doctors uh, who are our customers who are usually utilizing our device to titrate their blood pressure medications. Uh, and their and the antidepressants, so they can they can get the benefit of those medications and still perform.
0: Yeah, that is fascinating. So there's a there's a lot of potential uses for this uh, particular device, and I, you know, it's really interesting. You know, so you're saying that you know the the uh, number and the strength of the nocturnal erections are really a fantastic indicator. And it's something that, uh, obviously, before this device was created, it wasn't possible to actually uh, track and measure. Um, And I do see this particular technology as uh, potentially really changing the future of medicine. Now, we'll see how many doctors embrace it, uh, you know, but it does have a lot of potential. I
1: I think it'll take... Two
0: years. And, and, and
1: it might not be my company that makes this, this, diff- this significant amount of money, but what we're doing is going to push urology and sexology to become objective. And it's enormously disruptive because where there are hopes, there are dopes. I mean, you and I both know that men with ED would walk on their knees on broken glass in order to get a solution. And there are so many claims that are being made about, especially about new natureceuticals. In this area, And most of them are benign. I, they're not. They're not pe- people aren't taking themselves, put themselves at risk by taking halogenine DHEA, horny goat weed, Wanda, uh I can name a bunch more because because we have people sending the, sending us their products to test, uh, and almost nothing works.
0: I have not seen. and So you know, my wife and I we even put together a, a list of uh, you know like herbs and supplements that could potentially. Help, but I have not actually seen any of those things solve a problem. Um, And and that's what seems to be what you're saying. So in other words, I've never seen a man in the years that I've been doing this work, simply take those supplements, whether they're individual supplements, or there's a whole bunch of them that are, you know, pre made. And I've never seen a man come back and say, once I started taking that, my problem was solved. I've not seen that happen. (laughs) Not saying they don't have some maybe ancillary benefits, but I have not seen it solve anybody's problem
1: most people don't suffer well, supplements are helpful if you're undernourished. Uh, and there are people who are, who are undernourished because they're eating crappy diets. But as the as the as the, the the impact of those things, if a person's eating a decent diet, taking a supplements is probably not of you know much better. But I'll let me back up a second. So the placebo effect is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh and I recognize as well, even in my, my own life, that uh, I'll talk about travel again. If I try to travel internationally without Ambien, I'm nervous. If, if I just have it with me, I'm okay. And a lot of men are that way with pd five medications. I don't know if I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to take the Viagra things, that, but they, to have it with them, you know, gives them you know it, it addresses that confidence problem. But a ring is better. So so we did We've done a study. Internally, and this, there's going to be a study that's being done right. Now. Well, just about to kick off next week. Um, that'll be independent. So we looked at D two message time, which no one has studied. D two message time is a time from climax till the penis goes down. So the more blood is held in the penis, the longer the, the erection lasts. Uh, so uh, we, you know, without it, the average time and the age range is 27 to 70. Without anything, the average erection was gone, gone in 45 seconds. Uh, with Tadalafil, it was two minutes. With a ring, our ring, it was like four minutes. And with five, almost five minutes. And with both together, it was almost six minutes. So the takeaway, and this, these are men without ED, so the takeaway message really is, men, if you want to have a better, longer-lasting erection, put a ring on it. That should be your first line, not a medication. Two, for the, for the ultimate experience, take take put a ring on it and take a medication. Interesting, and yeah. that's and that's and this is going to be a big study that's going to be published about that. And this is back to what you talked about earlier about doctors. It shouldn't be me. This should have been done years ago. I mean, my, my wife and I—you probably feel this way too. My wife and I look at each other pretty much like, you know, like every day, almost like no, no other doctors was thinking was thinking about this. You know, I'm at this convention, urologists and exologists, and they're all pushing testosterone supplements, implants. Uh, you know, for, you know, for men uh, and. This is their field. They should. should, This, these issues. How? What's going to keep your heart the longest? What's going to produce the most intense orgasm by putting pressure over the urethra? These are things that. That should. These are. These are twentieth century problems, and now we're now in the twenty first century.
0: Well, you know how that goes. So, you know, as high tech as your device is, it's still significantly low cost compared to the other solutions, right? And so... Yes, that's right. When there's a money motivator, uh, you know, we, we often... It
1: can get ugly though, because with surgery, uh, you can make your penis an inch longer and half an inch, increase your, growth by, not, increase your growth by half an inch, and expose yourself to all sorts of risk factors. But if you really, if a man is really motivated to have a bigger penis, just get a good pump. Pumping can make your penis bigger. It can make it longer. It can make it wider. Uh, I personally don't have the discipline. I might have had the, you know, uh, to do that. But, but if you're going to think about getting – why cut on your penis when you could just pump for, for 10 weeks?
0: I, I, I don't – I mean, honestly, I have no answer for that. I have no idea why a man would actually take the risk the risk of basically never using your penis again just to make it a little longer. Now, maybe if you were really, really small, but anybody that's been listening to this show for any length of time knows that it is not all about size. I have spoken to, I don't I can't even count how many women at this point. If you are a man and you are of at least average size and you know how to use it, you can satisfy any woman. There's no need to go for that extra half an inch and risk potentially never being able to use your penis properly again. Just not worth it. Well,
1: that's, that's another thing that's happened with our device is that we've had three instant episodes reported to us where people were going to be operated on, but their doctor had them utilize our device and saw that they're having nocturnal erections. So their issue was psychogenic ED. The issue was, was, was a psychological one rather than a physical one. And these men were, sp- were spared pleasure-killing surgery.
0: That, that makes it worth it right there by itself. If there were no other benefits, that would be enough, but there are others. So, okay, we are, we're getting a little long in the show. I need to take a break sorry. real quick. Yeah. And then when we come back, I want to talk about some of the other technologies that are potentially going to impact uh, sexual wellness in the future. Okay. Hey guys, do you know what makes a man great? You know the kind of masculine man that women are irresistibly attracted to and want. Is it money, job title, physical body, being great in bed, a big penis, or great pickup lines? What if you don't have those or only some of them? What if you've had a string of failed relationships, are embarrassed by your bedroom skills? Doubt whether you can rise to the occasion, worry about lasting long enough, or are always stuck in the friend zone. I can help you if you're ready to make big changes and finally become the man you have always wanted to be. Then this is the program for you. To find out more, please go to kevinanseline.com forward slash go forward slash warrior. The link is in the description. That is my men's uh, sexual mastery program. And in that, not only do I help you with all of the things that we've been talking about, this is where I also have an opportunity to, to even incorporate technologies like we're talking about today to help you achieve your goals. So go check that out, kevinanselinecom forward slash go forward slash warrior. Okay. Oh, one other thing I want to talk about too, because we have focused a lot on this episode so far on male sexual problems, but I did want to make sure that we touched on FSD. So could you maybe just talk for a moment about FSD, how prevalent it is, uh, what types of things people or women suffer from, and maybe what some of the solutions out there are? Yeah. Uh, Women's
1: FSD, the equivalent of, of ED, uh, is, uh, is a, you know, it's, it's about five percent greater than, than men's problems. So if it's fifty percent of men by age fifty who have ED, it's about fifty-five percent plus of women by age fifty who express difficulty in getting aroused, difficulty in, in, in climaxing, uh, and the numbers if, in men it's about thirty percent at age thirty. In women it's a little bit higher i think it's higher because of the reasons that we discussed earlier which is that uh, hormones and SSR antidepressants are are commonly taken by by younger women and they and they and they're, they can be libido killers or inhibitors uh, the uh, answers for women are much the same well i really want to talk not so much about uh, you know about diet in this case but i want to talk about data so there is a, a product for women called the Lioness Vibrator, um, and the Lioness is the first vibrator, the only vibrator that I'm aware of uh, that is delivers sexual inf- health information to women as opposed to just novelty. So utilize the, the, the Lioness. It's it's a rather large. Uh, are you familiar with it? I'm, certain, I'm sure you probably are. The, the Lioness Vibrator is is, is a I'm not going to say it's a wand, but it's, it's it's large. It's held in the hand, uh, and one. In, the piece that goes inside the vibrator of the clitoris, the piece that goes inside the vagina, can measure pubococcygeus muscle contractions, uh, and utilizing that information, women can start to measure the impact of medications uh, upon upon their sexual health. Uh, the difficulty with the device is that it can't be used to penetrative sex. I mean, it could be used for anal sex, but it can't be used for for, for vaginal penetrative sex. Uh, and the vibrator is is heavy, um, so. Heavy in the sense that, and this actually this gets to another another theme, issue is that it's time for the sex industry. Sex industry does a really good job of addressing niches uh, like um, uh, fetish niches or uh, the or um, kink niches, but it's missing out on this much larger market of health issues. So if uh, 35-40% of the adult female population in the United States is diabetes, and 15% have significant arthritis in their wrist over the age 50. It's time to start building making vibrators that are ergonomically easy for these women. If a woman has to hold a vibrator in this position, like the lioness, that gets uncomfortable right here, uh, and they uh, they either can't, they either the fail to, to, to climax, or they they can't, they climax too quickly for full, for full satisfaction. Uh, and my wife has demonstrated me play around with at least some larger wands or with, or with a lioness, just so I so I, so I could see the difficulty. And after five or ten minutes, I want to change position. I want to be in front, holding it like this. Well, a woman doesn't have the opportunity to have a third arm that's long enough to come around, you know, and face them. Uh, I mean, any man can see this just by lying lying next to a woman, side by side, and trying to hold the wand or or, or you know or, or, or a lioness. When it comes to diabetes, a common I, you know, when I was unaware of this problem until I went to start going to sex toy shows. The retailers were telling me that women with diabetes are coming in saying that the vibrators aren't working for them unless they're on really, really high power. And the really, really high power ones are the larger, more uncomfortable ones to hold. And the answer is obvious. The answer is that we need, to fig- we need research to figure out the right amplitude frequency of vibration that will work for a woman who's diabetic and has neurovascular damage. No, one, I'm not that. This is where, that, that kind of like we talked about research earlier. The industry should do this. I mean, this, this, this is so for every transgender person for whom the industry is, is, is addressing their problems. There are for everyone. There's there are a hundred diabetics. There are more than hundred, but there are probably three hundred three hundred women with diabetes for every every transgender. Someone needs to do a study to figure out the right vibrator for the that will work for these women. Because oh. I'm, I'm certain. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say, I, I think you have another product coming up in your line. There. <laughs> That's the thing, right? If nobody's making it, then, then you, you should, right? Uh, and I love, I love that uh, approach too, right? Because as men, we are problem solvers. That's what we do, right? So when a woman comes to us and says, my vibrator doesn't work because it hurts my wrist, so the first thing we do is, okay, how can we redesign that? <laughs> so that's great yeah i think uh well let me, let me
1: just let, me, let me talk about something else but I don't mind kevin because uh-huh. we've invented when i invented the male device i thought i have to do the same thing for women mm-hmm. we have to come up with a way of measuring the health of the clitoris just we, we we can now measure the health of the penis so the linus vibrator is, is inside vibrator is inside the, the vagina and it's me- measuring pubic muscle contractions and women there are other devices kegel monitors for women that go inside the vagina, and they can, and and women can monitor the strength that people can see just muscle, but that's a skeletal muscle. Skeletal muscles are muscles that we can control. Penile health and clitoral health are smooth muscle functions. It's about blood flow. It's about the smooth muscles around around vessels that will either allow more blood to pass, or because they have, arteriosclerosis or diabetes, hypertension, those vessels have become stiffer and weak and weaker. So the way to which to exercise those muscles is to use them, is to have sex. You just cancel, <laughs> you know. If a person starves themselves and suddenly tries to eat full food, full regular diet, they can kill themselves. If a person because we, because the, the gastrointestinal smooth muscles atrophy. If people go years without sex and then suddenly want to have sex again, it's not easy. It's hard uh, because it's smooth the smooth muscle atrophies, the penis and the clitoris will atrophy as well too because the body is no longer, because they're not being used, these muscles are not being used, uh, the, the body doesn't say, gee, I, uh, hey, LH you don't want to have sex for five years, now we you want to have sex, but we're going to maintain, we're going to keep on working that penis. It <laughs> doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work that way.
0: Right, use it or lose it, as they say, right? <laughs> yeah, so,
1: we, so we've invented a device for women. It's been tested on 38 women, um, and there's a paper which just presents, presented about that device last week in San Diego. There'll be another paper presented at the International Society for Sexual Medicine show in Dubai next month about that device. And I just need about $1.5 million to uh, commercialize it. So if any of your listeners out there are interested in investing in female sexuality, uh, contact me.
0: All right. There you go. Well, I'm glad to hear that you've got something in the works there. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's then talk about, in the last few minutes we have left on the show, let's talk about some of the other technologies sure. in the area of sexuality that we might be seeing become more prevalent and might uh, start to have a real impact on human sexuality.
1: Well, there are, there are some good devices out there for premature ejaculation that are, are, are not, don't involve pills that have, that have side effects or sprays that can numb up your partner as well as you. So there's a, there's a company called Into In Two. Uh, they have a, um, a a neurostimulator blocker, if you will, that goes behind the testicles. It's on a patch, uh, and it will. You get a little tingle with it, like like with eStim, uh, and it'll 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 pulses of arousal, basically. So, and that product will, is in the. is is commercialized now in the United Kingdom. It should be in the United States next year. Uh, And I have played with a prototype of it, personally, myself. And I mean, I'm I'm not interested in in (laughs) delaying my ejaculation, but it does, does, you know, it it worked for me. And I'm I'm confident that that product is going to be a great aid to men who have premature ejaculation. There's another company called MyHixel, M-Y-H-I-X-E-L, uh, and they have a a stroker with a training program for premature ejaculation uh, and for talking to a couple men have used it It's it's effect it's effective and the, and the data indicates that it's effective as well um, uh, the, I mentioned the lines i can't really think actually, i can 't really think of other things that are really tech focused because most of the other things are really novelties you know they're you know you, if you want to vibrate your partner's anus a thousand miles away, you know, that's, you can do that. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to, if you want to have some, if you want to send someone's stream music to someone and have, have a virtual reality, you know, screen remotely, that can be done. The kind of, I'm not going to say it's necessarily scary stuff, although it really can be in terms of how we relate to each other socially. Uh, There, you know, there, there, there are, there are chat partners that will learn everything about you. They'll learn not just about your sexual activities and, and feed porn to you. And even, uh, I, there's, there's one that will, that will start to make porn. Once they learn your taste in porn, they, will, they can send that to you. But they're also going to learn your politics. They're going to learn your taste in music. They're going to shop for you. You know, these um, you know, e-sex part- partners are, that's bizarre. But it is bizarre. And it is, it is going to change how my grandchildren and your children interact. Because a lot of people, I think, are going to find their, people who grow up in a virtual environment aren't going to want to leave a virtual environment for, for, a, real envi- for a real environment. That's, that's more challenging. might be more satisfying, but it's challenging.
0: Well, let's hope that it never gets to that. Because if we learned anything, now, of course, we knew this already. But if we needed any proof about the importance of human connection, COVID really showed that to us, right? You put the entire world on lockdown and see what happens to people's mental health state. Right. So this idea that we don't need actual human physical connection is uh, ludicrous, in my opinion. And I, I hope that these technologies don't take us in the direction of more separation and less connection with each other. That I hope that they we don't go in that direction. So this is kind of a warning to those listening you know, if you want to utilize those technologies maybe to supplement or, you know, as a novelty here and there, but don't let it replace your actual physical human connection.
1: It's even, what's even scarier is that the government can develop social credit scores mm-hmm. about this. They can monitor, even now, I'm confident that if the government wanted to, they could find out what I like on Pornhub. If the government could find it, you know, it's, the government could find every. Sex tech that I've exchanged with my wife—all these things are hackable.
0: Well, so uh, and that, as you know, right? They have a tap on the uh, the main internet lines in this country, and every single packet of data that moves across those internet lines is stored in a mega data center out in the middle of Utah somewhere. Yeah, so it's if, alarming. So if they want to find. You, they can. And they know everything that you've streamed over that internet connection. (laughs) Yeah, that is a little scary for sure. And, uh, you know, nobody should have access to that kind of data. But again, that's a whole other topic. (laughs) We'll cover that one on the geopolitical show later on today. All right. Well, thank you for coming on and discussing, uh, the technology. And I like that we really spent the majority of the time focusing on how we can utilize technology to make our lives better because that, that's really where I wanted to focus. And, you know, we mentioned a few of the other novelty texts and, and things like that, but, um, yeah, I think really focusing on how can we help people have a better quality of life is really, uh, the, the best place to be. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find out more about your product. And then I've got one more question for you after that.
1: Sure. You can find us at my firm tech, M Y F I R M T C H my online and learn about our products. If you're interested in the science, go to the science page. If you want to know how the technology works, go to the, go to the how to page. Uh, you can contact me personally at E L L I O T Elliot at myfirmtech.com. happy to answer your questions and uh, you know where i'd rather people come to us directly of course and we are on amazon we are there are other ways of contacting us but i really would appreciate you coming directly to us at myframetechcom dot
0: yeah you know so as a startup company obviously uh you're bringing in income uh is critically important to the business function, you know, the business continuity of a small business. And anybody that's listening to this, you you know that you know profit margins when selling on Amazon are extremely low. So if you can go directly to <laughs> directly to their website and support them, that's always a, a great way to do it. So. I got one last question for you. This one usually catches my guests off guard and they blush, but I don't think it's going to do that for you. (laughs) So it's a question that I ask all the guests I have on the show, and it is, what is your best sexual talent?
1: Really, my best sexual talent is the technology that I've invented because it's going to lead to better sex and better sexual health for everyone. Uh, but my second talent, it would probably be my vivid imagination.
0: <laughs> All right. There you go. It's good to have a vivid ima- imagination. <laughs> and I and I, I long ago
1: was very fortunate. Uh, Cupid shot an arrow into me and I've been, we've been married for 35 years and we have sex five, six times a week. It's really been, been great. I owe so much to my partner, Anne.
0: That is wonderful and amazing. And what a, what a great example to set for everybody else because... It, I can't tell you how many times I hear in the work that I do, well, you know, once you've been married for a while, the sex stops. Or once you reach a certain age, the sex stops. And I am constantly trying to tell people it doesn't have to be that way. But of course, you know, people look at me and they say, well, although... I'm getting older now, so they do this a bit less than they used to. <laughs> at, uh, at 49 years old now, at least I can say, all right, I'm in that age group where you're telling me things are supposed to slow down. But uh, I'm constantly trying to tell people it doesn't have to be that way. So th- thanks for being a- an example of that for people.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show.
0: You're welcome. All right, everybody, that's all the time I have for this episode, and I will see you next week. I hope you liked this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free exclusive content, join me in the Passion Vault at kevinandseline.com forward slash vault. That's kevinandseline.com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, as Celine used to say, you're amazing.